Well, welcome everyone back to the cast. Um, I'm really excited today to have a couple of special guests on, um, a couple of my friends from our church, uh, Cassie and Johnny Fulford. Hello, thanks for having us, Sam. Hello, hello. Now, I have had Cassie on the show before. Cassie was on, I believe it was our sixth or seventh episode. It was, mm-hmm. was it within the first 10, kind of within the first little while we did it, and we were talking about relationships and marriage and uh this was actually before you guys got married and um i know we we talked a lot about johnny behind his back so um (laughs) but now we actually have johnny here on the cast to uh speak for himself (laughs) yes that's awesome yep (laughs) <laughs> the reason we have both of you on here today is, Cassie, um, there's there's a topic that you've written extensively about on your blog. Um, I believe, can you actually just let the audience know where we can find you on the web? Yeah, so my blog handle is cassiescookery.com. Cassie um, blogs quite a bit. And she's a really great writer. Um, and actually, Cassie, you write the blog for our church at the moment, I believe, too. I do. Mike and I kind of share it. So we'll um, kind of research some important topics that we feel we want to cover. And then Mm -hmm. whoever might feel more equipped to write on that topic, will kind of take the lead on that. And Cassie, you, uh, there's a topic that you've written a lot, particularly on your personal blog about um, something that you have gone through, something that's really impacted your life heavily. And that's just the topic of body image. And um, today we we really want to dive deep into that discussion. And I really want to just start off by letting you kind of tell your story and your journey through um, dealing with your own body image. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So as Sam was saying, this topic is um, really close to my heart and it's um, one of the main things that God has really allowed in my life and for me to experience, honestly, to bring me closer to him in many ways. Um, So yeah, for me, um, I, growing up, I, I didn't really think too much about, um, my body or like the way others perceived me until I would say I was about 11. Um, and it was kind of in tandem of having those thoughts that I, um, experienced my first, what is called a binge. So, um, one night in the middle of the night at around 3am, I woke up and, um, without any really what felt like control over what I was doing, I um, went downstairs to the kitchen and ended up eating so much food, like um, like a full loaf of bread without toasting it, um, pasta by itself, like spoonfuls of condiments. It didn't matter how it tasted. Um, it was just this like numbing. And that seems so confusing when someone might be starting to have Um, negative perception of their body. But um, for whatever reason, that is what I used to almost comfort myself and to cope with some of those feelings. Um, So I really kept that a secret for about a year and a half after that. Um, Well, while that first time I kind of the next day woke up and vowed to myself that that was never going to happen again, it was um, this very guilt inducing thing for me, it became a bit of an addiction. So happening um, three or four times a week, Um, but I also struggled with perfectionism at that time. So it was something that I did not want anybody to know was going on. Um, but after about a year and a half, I finally, um, knew that this was something that was seriously wrong and that I wanted help for. And so I broke down and told my mom that it was going on. Um, and she helped me get equipped with a counselor. So I went to cognitive behavioral therapy for about six months, um, 
And after about six months, I had a full month without any binges, which we thought was great. So the counselor discharged me. Um, but then that, that urge and almost this voice in my head, um, just telling me just, just one more time, um, you know, you can do it one more time. What's one more time came back. And so, um, I, I binged again. Um, but this time I I remember that time. So while I was in my, uh, my parents' basement and, um, had kind of planned this out. I had a bunch of food that I planned to binge on. And this time the guilt was just overwhelming that, um, I knew I needed to get rid of it. And so I made myself throw up that food. Um, and then that felt like this easy thing that could become the new kind of old friend. Um, and so I binged and purged a few times over the next few months. Um, and then there a few uh, months of doing that, there came this still small voice, um, but that was, that felt friendly, that felt softer almost, um, but that told me, um, you know, in my mind, um, why not just stop eating? That would just be so much easier than all this, just stop eating. And so um, I, I did. And, and you know, growing up and um, since those binges, I'd always felt like, I was that person that didn't know how to stop eating. And then in the, in the span of a day, it was overnight. It was like eating became way too hard. Um, just this huge mental hurdle. And so that first day I didn't eat, um, barely anything. And then it became a game of how little can I eat today for the next several months. And so, um, I, yeah, I lost about 80 pounds and, um, my normal hormones and tons of hair, my personality. I was fainting all the time. I toward, it was right before summer. I could barely go to school toward the end. Um, and so, yeah, it had really just spiraled out of control. And, and over that time I was diagnosed with, um, binge eating disorder, bulimia, and then anorexia. Um, but that, what that really showed me, and especially as I look back is it was all the same problem. Like those look like opposite problems to so many people, but, um, the reality of eating disorders is, is that it's all, um, it's all distraction from God. It's, it's an addiction, no matter which way you spin it. And, um, it all felt like the same issue to me. Um, and so, yeah, my parents were very worried at that point, um, with my weight loss and with it not, you know, there was no sign of me stopping that addiction of starvation. Um, so I, they helped me to get into an outpatient treatment program where I was for a year. Um, and that treatment program helped me to start eating again. They actually had my parents take over my, um, my meals and, and feed me, which was really, really difficult in the beginning. And stayed difficult. I would hide food, um, try to like literally like stuff it down my sweater, like so many different things like that. And my mindset wasn't in getting better. It was just, you know, how do I eat as little as possible despite this going on? Um, and so I, I was there for a whole year, but there was no real um, breakthrough in me actually wanting to get better um, despite that I was eating a bit more. And so when I was discharged from there, um, I just a few months later, I um, actually started at Laurier University um, in a program called Christian Studies. And this is something I, I haven't mentioned yet, but um, I, when I was nine years old, I told my parents that I wanted to be a pastor, um, that God had really shown me 
um, through the church that we attended that he was the only eternal thing, that he was the only real thing worth living for. And so I told my parents, I, I want to do the God job. I want to be a pastor. Um, and so despite um, not really knowing even at that time that Jesus was a person that I could have a relationship with, that he was actually a living God, um, he, I truly believe, kept that on my heart. And in many ways, so that um, I would end up at Wilfrid Laurier. And um yeah, that's where I attended school for Christian studies, even at that point in my life where I was still really battling this eating disorder. Um, and it's there on my first day of classes, actually, that I met Johnny and also um, a few uh, born-again Christian friends who really came alongside me and um, started to make me see that a real, true relationship with Jesus was was a possible thing and was actually the call of the Christian. Um, and so through um, them kind of bringing me to some churches and um, through just the Holy Spirit revealing himself to me, I committed myself to Christ that um, first year of university when I was 17. And that was when I started to um, have conviction about the way that I was living. So at this point, I wasn't starving myself anymore, but I was completely addicted to um, clean eating. So um, measuring my food, having only the perfect portions, um, you know, no sugar, no um, additives, like only paleo foods, like all sorts of things like that. So many, so many rules. Um, and actually, uh, a few months after I became a born again Christian, I had a doctor's appointment and he um, diagnosed me at that time with orthorexia, which is a less talked about eating disorder. But again, one of those diagnoses um, that I've been labeled with. Um, and so, yeah, for that next um, year or so, I, I lived with these very orthorexic, so very hyper-health-focused, clean eating tendencies, which meant that I also never went to restaurants with friends, um, was terrified of going to someone's house for dinner, um, you know, basically lived unto myself, um, unto this God of clean eating. And um, so... Uh, while that was all going on, Johnny actually and I started dating. Um, that's a story for another time. Um, but he um, started to really understand and see that even though you know this disorder was no longer anorexia, it was a, it was a huge problem in my life. Um, and yeah, that that it was a, a real issue. And so um, there was a period. So he, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but he. Um, uh, ended up going to a school in Manitoba. Um, so we were long distance for a bit. And there was a period where he came back to visit that he could really see that this issue uh, wasn't getting better. And so he, um, in prayer, decided that we should take some time just writing letters and not communicating for the next few months that he um, was going to be gone in Manitoba. And so um, that's what we did. And it was so that I could really just know that Johnny wasn't going to be able to heal or fix me, that, you know, my healing and my hope and my assurance came from Christ alone and to really focus on him. Um, and at that same time, you know, as I've been through so many different counselors and um, therapy sessions for my eating disorders, I'd never been to spiritual counseling. And that's what I did. Um, while like during that period, while we weren't communicating as much and they really helped me to get to some of the actual roots of what was going on and, and what had, you know, potentially caused this from my childhood 
the lies that I was believing that weren't true and helped me to see how biblically I could start to believe um, what was true and and try to, you know, take captive all my thoughts to Christ. Um, and so over time, I think God really softened my heart and made me more and more ready to let go. And that really led up to this amazing day, um, January 29th, 2017. Um, I was in my house and had just turned down lunch with a friend to make my own lunch and make sure I could measure all my ingredients and such. And, um, in the midst of that, I just felt this overwhelming need to just cry out to God, just so tired of, um, just not being able to go out for food with people so convicted by that. And so I, I remember ending up on my knees, just worshiping God and crying out to him, just Lord, help me. Like, I need you to help me. I can't do this on my own. And I don't even know how long I was on my knees. But um, when I stood up, I'd missed two calls from uh, a dear sister um, in Christ of mine, Josie. She's a real prayer warrior. And she, um, yeah, she called me twice. And so um, I I called back knowing that this had to be... um, uh, you know, uh, an answer from the Lord. And she said, um, task, like God told me to pray for you, what's going on. Um, and so I told her, um, I, I have these food rules that, you know, I have in the form of these magazines that I'd collected since I was a kid. Um, and I, you know, I follow them to the T, like I can't break them. They're law in my life. Um, and I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this, but, uh, that's all. Like, I can't do anything about it. And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to pray and you're going to rip them up. And, um, that was terrifying, but she started praying and the Holy spirit just filled the room, came over me and helped me to just rip up every one of those. Like there were so many that I'd collected over the years and would look at. And basically they were like just idols in themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up just in shreds all over me on the floor. And, um, it was the most freeing moment of my entire life. Um, And so, yeah, um, that was this amazing um, healing that the Lord did in my life. Um, For a few years, I honestly didn't look back, um, was just pursuing Christ more than ever in my life. And um, just so, yeah, just in love with him, in love with his word. Um, And at that point, I was still quite unhealthy and still quite underweight and had a lot of um, healing still to do to especially my physically damaged body. Um, but I wasn't necessarily aware of all of that at that time. So it was a lot easier being uh, underweight to kind of accept, um, you know, eating sugar again and, and eating all these things that I wasn't used to eating. Um, but it was actually a month before our wedding that, um, I started to think about what eating, um, in marriage would be like and the kind of dinners that I wanted to make Johnny, um, when he was my husband. And, um, that's what helped me to realize that I still had some like diet culture lies sort of Mm. just in, in my life in the back of my head. Um, and so that month before our wedding, I started to cook some more of the meals that I'd, um, avoided for so long that I wanted to cook for Johnny. And it was like the floodgates of my actual extreme hunger, which is a very real thing for anyone who's been through any kind of restricted eating disorder or restrictive diet. Um, just like open, like I hadn't 
I've been in like a calorie deficit for seven or eight years. So I was starving at this point. Hmm. And I finally realized that and let myself truly eat with no restrictions. And that led to gaining um, quite a bit of weight before our wedding, um, needing to get my wedding dress altered and, you know, dealing with all of that within the month before our wedding. And, um, you know, I'm truly thankful to God for that, um, that I was, you know, healthier for for our wedding day. And um, that just really paved the way for a healthier marriage too. Um, But the struggle and where I'm at now and where I'd really like to kind of um, just take this conversation is is really with body image and with now um, that I've gained quite a bit of weight. I'm almost like I'm near my um, pre-eating disorder weight. And, um, you know, if this is the body size that God actually created me for, um, Mm -hmm. learning to accept that and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, learning to navigate, you know, all the pressure that is on women and men to maintain a very actually unrealistic and often unhealthy, um, body size and navigating those things and actually combating them with scripture and with truth. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, thank you for sharing that Cassie and and for going so in depth too, and, and really, um, yeah, not holding back on, on even some of the the uglier parts of, of what that can look like. Um, I did want to, yeah, expand on that a little bit further because you talked, um, you talked a lot about the eating disorder, but you also talked about the spiritual healing that you found in that. And so obviously, um, I think in the secular world, there would be an urge to diagnose everything, um, with a psychological lens and not bring the spiritual lens into that. And so clearly there is a spiritual element to what, uh, at the root of the disorder. Um, so I, I'm just wondering if you could even just kind of unpack what exactly that spiritual battle was as you saw it. Totally. Yeah. It's absolutely a spiritual battle. Um, for one thing, eating disorders do run in my family, you might say. So, um, both my mom, my her mom um, and both my mom's brothers, their two daughters have been diagnosed with anorexia. So um, there is some, whether you call it like a generational um, like spirit um, or obviously there's a genetic and biological component to that too. For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I, I, I can now recognize that um, when I hear and I talked about hearing voices, but those voices, like they're not necessarily audible or anything, but it's like other addictions, um, a strong urge that, that is felt from within to do something that you actually know is wrong. Um, but I started to really recognize it as spiritual when I received the Holy Spirit and became born again. And then mm. I could recognize Christ in me, um, you know, gently, lovingly, mercifully showing me his way, mm-hmm. which was not legalistic. Um, and then this other, you know, more um, aggressive voice, mm-hmm. you know, telling me that I needed to follow this rule, like, or else I was going to get fat and be mm-hmm. um, unappealing, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, use some things from my past kind of over me, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It sounds like there's kind of two competing voices or two competing 
sets of truth that were kind of in your life at the same time, the Holy Spirit, and then the lie or the lie of the enemy that says you need to be this way or else. And and then there's obviously probably some fear attached to that too. So absolutely, um, yeah. Do, do you feel like that is an ongoing spiritual battle? Is that something that you've found total victory over? Or is that something that, you know, you still rely on the Holy Spirit for every day? Yeah, it's, um, definitely something I still rely on the Holy Spirit for. Um, when I was, when I first ripped up those food rules, um, mm-hmm. Galatians 5, 1 was something that I clung to every day, which is, um, for freedom, you were set free. So mm-hmm. do not be tied again to the yoke of bondage that so, you know, and I remember circling that word in my Bible and, and writing down, it can happen. Like right. that's a warning to us. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and also knowing that um, the enemy likes to disguise himself as an angel of light. So for me, that, that anorexia voice was actually, um, it felt like, felt like my healer at the time, the thing that was going to save me from being overweight. Um, and obviously, that's a lie. Um, but at that time, it felt like um, this angel of light and what can you know, make it really confusing. I think for Christians is diet culture in the world is, is shown as this angel of light. It's shown as a good thing. And, you know, if you're someone who, um, works out all the time and eats really healthily, what's wrong with that? That's great. Right. And for Christians too. Um, and so, yes, those things are good and it's important to, um, care for your body. Um, but, those things, you know, can so easily become legalism and addictions. And so I think we just have to be aware of that. And we have to be willing to open that conversation, especially in, um, yeah, in the Christian world. Yeah, I agree. And I I did want to get Johnny's perspective on this now, too. Um, As as a man and as as um, the guy who is kind of walking alongside Cassie with this and obviously supporting her spiritually, do you know, do you do you think that do you think that, um, women in the church feel pressure from men? Do you think that's a component of this? Or, you know, what do you think the role of men is to to support women in having a healthy perspective of their body image? And, and even draw from your own experience in that too, Johnny. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, if we want to focus specifically on like men's response to women, that is definitely very important. I, I will add a caveat to the fact that uh, men can feel that pressure from women as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I definitely think that men have failed women in this world. And I think it's more so focuses on, because we know Jesus's character. Uh, and that's, that is our, that's our goal. That's our foundation. It's how he views women. Uh, and we see that both in the Lord's relationship also with Eve. We see that throughout the Bible. Um, that we see this beauty in women. And that's not subjected to a sense of culture. Or that's not subjected to a specific size or body mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so I feel like with it, it can be in addition to culture. It can be um, like we see this in history where in the past, uh, larger women were considered beautiful because mm-hmm. they could eat they were wealthy right. uh, yeah. and then we see body images changes where hips are the mm-hmm. focus legs are the focus and mm-hmm. th- this idea that culture tends to drift to this 
idea of what men want in a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And having that as uh, an authoritative position of men's view on women is really, really damaging because one, mm-hmm. bodies change, whether that be with pregnancy, whether that be with age, whether that be with life-altering things. They're, having that as something that can change, we know that in Jesus, he doesn't change in his person, in his character, in, in all that he is. That's something that is right. unchanging. And so yeah. rather, men should have this subjection of when we look at a woman, we are attractive to Jesus in them. Um, and obviously, there is physical attraction. Obviously, I don't want to diminish that aspect of it. That is a component right. for sure. But I almost as you kind of mentioned, so how I think that men have like failed women in this regard is a lot of the times without intention, we can keep women enslaved or in bondage to this idea that is not of Jesus, this mm-hmm. standard that we ha- can hold to women of this is what is good. Right. And yet, how, how, how do you know that's good? How do you define that to be good? Yeah. And so it's like that weight is good, that physical activity is good and and there's this definition of that that is is so counter christ that Mm. i think can just lead to so much damages in a relationship in our view of woman in our pursuit of woman um and yeah i think that's definitely one area particular that i've seen and um so like in my relationship with Cass, we can see how um at the very beginning when a lot of this started to happen her affirmation from men was from when she was thin Hmm. and that then in her mind says this is how i'm going to be loved this is how i'll be recognized and accepted and appreciated and Mm -hmm. that set a basis for her life where this is what men want Mm -hmm. that completely set her up for failure set her up for enslavement to the enemy Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. anything that was counter you should have a normal relationship with food. Jesus wants you to have a normal relationship with food. Anything counter that um, is what she held as a standard for her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I praise the Lord that um, when he got us to meet at such a perfect time, uh, our entire relationship was focused on how much I had loved Cassie for Jesus and her mm-hmm. and that I wanted to get to know that. And that's something that Cass and I come back to is that she'll bring up questions because this is a this is something that she struggles with and that the enemy likes to hold over her. Uh, but we come back to this basis of um, when she may ask questions, do you love me for this? Would you rather me look this or any of those kind of questions? It's like, well, what was the basis and the foundation of our relationship when it started? Did I love you for your thinness? Did I love you for this? And it's like, no, I loved you for the person of Jesus Christ and who you were. Mm -hmm. And that's not changing. That is something that he is unchanging in you. And so if your body changes, I love you. Johnny, would you say for men, like it is important to reaffirm that in your relationship um, with your girlfriend or spouse or fiance, whatever, um, that the foundation of your love for them is not in their in their beauty? Well, that and also to affirm that they are beautiful. Yes. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So like beauty is something that, that, that God absolutely loves. 
Like mm-hmm. he made us beautiful, both men mm-hmm. and women. Um, and for us to, to put a label on what God meant by saying, right. you are beautiful because you look this way or whatever, then that's completely going against what the Lord actually meant when he mm-hmm. looked at us and said, you are beautiful. Um, and so like when I, when I'm with Cass, the, the affirmation that I continually will give her is that she is beautiful. I know I've had, um, uh, friends in, in the church and, uh, friends in the past and stuff. And the affirmation of me letting them know that they are beautiful, that they have mentioned to me later on that they've never heard that from a man (laughs) that like that they, and that, that like breaks my heart that it's like, they've had such a bad relationship with men that they don't even recognize themselves as beautiful no matter what their right. size is, no matter what weight or number or anything of that sort. And so beauty is something that needs to be affirmed, whether yeah. you're a father, whether you're mm-hmm. a boyfriend, whether or not you're a husband, like beauty is something that needs to be affirmed. And that is, that is something that women do want. And that, that's a good thing. We can't diminish that. Um, but then at the same time, going back to what you had, did say is the affirmation of the foundation and the root of your love for the other person is it needs to be jesus because that's something that Cass can rely on because as i mentioned before that's not changing the person of jesus christ isn't changing and so my love for her in subjection and authority in that she can have confidence in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's so well put johnny i I really appreciate that um i do want to i want to shift gears maybe now a bit more broadly because uh, we definitely mentioned that this is a pressure men can feel too and so we'll kind of this will be kind of the unisex portion i guess of this conversation because i think um i want to examine maybe how the modern church has maybe maybe played a potentially unintentional role in this but a role nevertheless because i go on a lot of church websites a lot of Instagram accounts and churches, and I see them putting up the most beautiful members of their flock, the tall, uh, you know, conventionally attractive, uh, well-dressed people. Those are the people that we want to represent us. That's kind of, that is the subconscious message. I think that gets sent a lot of the time because, you know, we want to be excellent. We want to be, beauty is good, right? But we, we tie that so often, I think, even ourselves to physical beauty. We kind of, we go against even what it says in First Samuel 16, where, you know, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not see as man does. The man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. And um, I don't know, like, I think this is a fairly new phenomenon for the church because, you know, in, re- in previous centuries, we didn't promote ourselves or our flock or we didn't put we didn't have social media we didn't have cameras to put pictures up but i i I can't help but think that a lot of uh church culture now there's an aesthetic element to it and part of that is being young and trendy and hip and beautiful and um i don't know i wanted to get your thoughts on that especially you cassie because i know you do you manage our social media and, and kind of what we see but and so in the past i've even kind of done that role myself and i so i was in the space of looking at what other churches do. And I just, that kind of struck me. And I, I, yeah, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. I, um, that makes me really mad first of all and sad. Um, but just like you said, that could totally be subconscious and, um, you know, that subconscious, uh, phenomena can come from social media and the fact that we're inundated with, um, 
you know, those of us that are on social media with images of the conventional beautiful body. Um, and, and just like what Johnny was saying, it's so important that I think in the church, we, we do actually like recognize that everybody's beautiful, which sounds so cheesy. And like in the past that has, I've really struggled with that because, um, growing up when I, you know, I was overweight based on BMI or whatever. And, you know, so somebody telling me, well, you're beautiful just the way they are, just the way you are. That didn't help ever. Like it, it just wasn't helpful, but I didn't, I didn't know the Lord then. And now that I can understand that everybody was created in God's image, that he doesn't conventional beauty or whatever you want to call, you know, like what culture defines as beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like that, that doesn't even exist anywhere in our God. He, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Like I, if we could have just fully captured his spirit and, and the way that he defines beauty, I think we would just be overwhelmed because, um, beauty is so important to him. And, and, um, I want to plug this for women and men, um, this book that I'm reading that is really changing my life and my perspective. It's called Captivating. It's by John and Stacy Eldridge. Um, and it really talks about God's um, creation of beauty, what beauty actually is to him, what beauty is in the Bible. And um, it, it is so helpful for for women, whether you've had a big struggle with body image or it's been more of a small part of your life. I I truly recommend it. It's an amazing read. Um, and, and it does totally talk about some of, you know, whether we're in school or church, the comparison game and the, mm-hmm. um, the standards that are put out on social media and, um, just anywhere that, you know, this certain look is the best look. It's just, it's just not true. And when we, the only way to change bad thoughts is to, and untrue thoughts is to replace them with God's thoughts. And right. so the more we immerse ourselves in the word and in his truth, um, the more healthy our thought life is going to be. And honestly, the more healthy our bodies are going to be too. So, Well, and that's what I was actually just going to add on is when, so for churches that are either um, participating in this or unintentionally um, operating in this realm, it, it really just begs the question, like, what is, what is the heart behind it? And asking the question, well, why? Um, and seeing if there's the defense on why, out of the person of Jesus Christ or in, in the Bible, why that is justified. And I don't, th- there's no way to justify that. Um, mm-hmm. Whether we're looking at what Jesus came to do, like whether for focusing on men or women, Jew or Greek, slave nor free, um, or free, um, like whether we're looking at race or looking at all this kind of stuff. It's like, when you look at the Bible, the, the Lord sees people, he sees mm-hmm. his people. Uh, and when he looks at his church and the advertisement of a church needs to be about him. Um, mm-hmm. and how can we put a label on what is more like him based on a body? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's such a, mm-hmm. that's such a, measly and diminishing way to look at our God Mm. to say that like to use whether it be social media or advertisement to say we stand for God and look at us and how 
we represent that. Mm-hmm. And that really just, that diminishes who God is and what he is in the church and for, for individuals. And I think the, um, yeah, it, it really just begs the question, well, why? And I honestly, I'd, I'd be willing to hear them out. I just don't mm-hmm. believe you can actually justify it. Yeah, and and I I think you know I, I do want to be charitable too because I think sometimes it's done without maybe just a little bit carelessly. Definitely, that's yeah, the unintentioned side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I think you put that well, Johnny. And I'd say you know to me the best advertisement for God is not the beautiful people. It's uh, it's stories like yours, Cassie, where right. God came in and interrupted your life. Totally. And the way that you were going and, and really changed some things about it, um, brought some real truth, um, silenced the lies that the enemy wanted you to believe mm-hmm. and, and and really changed it for the better. So, yeah. um, you know, that that's the beauty of the Lord right there totally. in action. Him meeting and, us in our mess because we're not, he makes us beautiful, right? That's, that's the key. Absolutely. Um, now... Cassie and Johnny, I, I know you guys have a bit of a hot take that you wanted to share, um, particularly about counting calories and and kind of following weight loss regimens a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Did you want to do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I want to just make sure, you know, that when we're talking about this subject, um, that people who have maybe struggled with um you know, chronically dieting or counting calories, but I haven't necessarily had an eating disorder or anything that, um, you know, I've, I've been there as well. That's kind of how I started, um, before I was binging. Um, and you know, to know that that is just a really valid struggle. Um, and that for many people, you know, there are so many people out there today that would say they don't remember the last time they weren't counting their calories or weren't on a diet. Um, and Mm -hmm. what does that tell us first? Well, first, probably that they, they don't work the best if someone's having to do that for years and years. Um, and actually the, the statistic, the popular statistic is that 95% of calorie counting diets do not work. And that within one to seven years, um, 95% of people who do lose weight will put it back on. And Mm. so, um, for someone with an eating disorder, particularly anorexia, you literally either die or you put on weight, um, regardless of how underweight you were or whatever. Right. Um, so, you know, for someone who doesn't have an eating disorder and maybe struggles with wanting to count their calories and then yo-yoing back to um, eating more, et cetera, trying to get their eating under control, um, there's a reason, and I really... I really feel like I'm speaking to someone right now, honestly, but there's a reason that you're yo-yoing back to eating more. And it's because your, your body like is hating you for eating that little. Your so many of your, your, you know, inner functionings are being so suppressed. Um, and you know, like inevitably, um, we do need to eat more. And when you've been in a calorie deficit for so long, like you'll need to end up eating a lot more. So then that begs the question, um, you know, what, how can someone who needs to lose weight, lose weight, um, you know, in a way that, that doesn't cause that kind of bounce back or whatever you want to call it. And, um, I truly believe it's, it's with the Holy spirit. 
Um, and not hyper focusing on food, which maybe sounds really hard for somebody, but um, you know, if you struggle with emotional eating and you know that you're con- you're eating out of emotions, um, you know, taking those thoughts and that that need to go grab food or or whatever it is um, to the Lord and and asking what what do I actually need right now? Is it food or is it time with the Lord? Am I looking to be filled? What is mm-hmm, actually going to mm-hmm. fill me? And if you're actually hungry, then eat. Like we're, you know, regardless of how hungry you are, regardless of if your stomach is growling or not, like, like eat, don't, don't overthink it. Um, and if you're hanging out with friends and they set chips out and you're, you know, not the most hungry, but you want a few chips, go for it. Like I'm, I'm not saying to hyper-focus on your hunger. And I actually think the intuitive eating movement in diet culture can become another diet in itself. Um, but you know, when we actually start to take our habits, those of us that struggle with food and give them to the Lord, slowly that can Mm -hmm. become the new habit of giving, you know, your relationship with food and eating to Jesus. Um, For someone who's been counting calories for a long time or doing Weight Watchers or any kind of sort of diet, that's going to feel really weird at first. Um, But it truly, honestly, will be the best thing you ever do if if that's you um and if that's how you identify yourself and because ultimately like that cycle when you're restricting calories um is never is never going to end and and it is legalism it prevents us from you know being able to go out for dinner because we feel like we oh i'm not gonna be able to count those calories or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. and that convicts me that's not that's not jesus and it does so easily become law um, yeah. yeah, that skims the surface of so much that I have to say about that topic. But, but I think you're, I think it's hundred percent true. And I know some people might be hearing like, um, you know, with the Holy spirit and, and think, okay, well that, how does that work? But, but this is actually exactly what we would teach in freedom session too, mm. that, um, you know, disordered eating or, or eating this way can be a drug of choice for some people and drug of drugs of choices could be um could be porn um it could be you know even just like overworking yourself just these things that you do to to fill a hole that the holy spirit is meant to fill and um and i think the way you said it is really really clarifies that um for me even too i think even just some light bulbs went off in my head as you were saying Mm -hmm. that so yeah and i think um if i can jump in i was just gonna say um again Going to when we were talking about these churches that put out these different advertisements, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, um, the question in relation to counting calories is like, what is the heart behind it? Um, is this producing more of Jesus? And that's the question that in any decision that we make in life, anything that we go about, is this a decision in which the Lord honors and is in alignment with who Jesus is? And so, what is the heart behind this? And so um, one verse that I really like uh, in kind of talking, this kind of relates a little bit to calories and eating and stuff like that. Uh, It's in Exodus 16 when uh, Moses is feeding manna. Um, And it says, when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Hmm. And then it says, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till the morning. And some people did, and it ended up 
becoming maggots and smelled really, really bad. Right. And right. so the idea was that when um, in our relationship with, with food, so some people, because our bodies are different, um, you're going to eat more than another person because mm -hmm. you're hungry and that's how much is needed for you. That was how God actually created you um, mm -hmm. and in your relationship with food. Some people are little and you eat as much as they needed to. Uh, the, the focus is that the relationship was actually an outflow um, of God and his provision for manna to fit what was needed for each individual. Mm -hmm. um, and anything outside of that, uh, when the individual took control over it saying no, I'm not going to eat as much as I need, or mm. I'm going to take more than what I need. Then it became a different question that can be related to like, whether it be like on calories or gluttony, there's different scopes of in our relationship with food. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like the same thing with like in relationship with money. It's like, there's, there's poverty and then there's greed. Like there's different mm. aspects of our relationship with things. And it needs to be a holy relationship where the Lord needs to guide an individual. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. when yeah. and when a person takes upon themselves saying, no, I'm going to count calories for a selfish motive mm -hmm. that is not to produce more of Jesus, but is for me, whether it be right. pride, whether it be I want to look good, whether it be mm -hmm. all these different things, then there needs to be the question, well, why? What is the heart in this? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, this isn't to bring any condemnation on anyone that, that struggles with it or that is counting calories or in a diet situation, but mm -hmm. it's just to encourage you to ask the question, why, and is this producing, producing more of Jesus? Mm -hmm. um, are you, and you'd mentioned freedom sessions, are you free in your relationship with food or does it control you? Does it bring bondage to you or enslavement to how this governs your life? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the breakdown that I kind of like to come back to mm -hmm. good. yeah no that that's so good johnny um yeah really 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 appreciate those thoughts um we are at the end of our time here with both of you but i i mean there's so much wisdom that was shared today um that uh i feel like we could do another three episodes unpacking <laughs> this even deeper um but uh i mean we'd love to have you both back on the cast um whenever we can and um yeah, thank you so much both for, for joining in today. Is there anything else that you wanted to say uh, to our listeners before you go today? Um, okay, I'll leave with this thought. You're, mm -hmm. If you've never thought about this before, I learned this recently and it's it's really helped me and I hope it helps you too. Um, your body, think about your body as your earth suit. So like if you take a space suit to space, it's not going to be your main focus. You need it to live and move and have your being in space. Um, but your focus is, you know, on being in space and your mission there. And so our body is our earth suit. God gave it to us, um, as you know, not our primary focus, um, but so that we can live and move and have our being and, um, do his will, um, so that his mm -hmm. spirit can abide in us. So your body is your earth suit. And I'll finish with that. Uh, you are beautiful. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> I don't think that's said enough in our day. I love it. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Sam. Thanks.